Welcome to the Today is the Day podcast. Our objective with this podcast is to dive deep into popular health topics and empower you to make informed, evidence-based decisions. To help make what we share part of your everyday life, we'll also offer the practical tools and strategies that will invite you to easily integrate what you learn into your daily lifestyle. Today, we're digging in on a somewhat confusing topic in the health and culinary nutrition world. We're answering the question, what does it really mean to detox and do we need to do this? Today, we'll be covering the fundamentals of detoxification, why some of us detox more effectively than others, and why we're not fans of juice cleanses. We'll also share what foods and practices have proven detoxification benefits, how to best support our channels of elimination, and most importantly, how you can apply this in your everyday life. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm Megan Telpner, a nutritionist, two-time best-selling author, and founder of the Academy of Culinary Nutrition. Joining me as always is Josh Catalis. Hi, everyone. We're grateful to have you joining us. I'm a clinical nutritionist and functional medicine practitioner with a clinic in downtown Toronto and founder of the Functional Nutrition Certification Program. And I am an instructor with the Academy of Culinary Nutrition. Let's dive in on today's topic. Josh, why don't you start us off by explaining what detoxification means, or as we might call it, the fundies of detox. Absolutely. So, you know, there's so much misconception around what detoxification and cleanses and all that really is. So let's just start really at the basics. Our body is like a factory and it has to take materials like food, for example, sunshine and lots of other great inputs and use them to keep the system going and to keep the system healthy. But there's extraneous things, substances we could call them that come from outside the body and even inside the body that serve their purpose and then have to be transformed and changed into something else so that the body can eliminate it and get rid of it. So we have two places where we get these substances. One is called exogenous, which is from the outside of the body. So we can be exposed to heavy metals and persistent organic pollutants and even UV radiation. And then from the inside of the body, we make hormones and neurotransmitters and lots of other substances that serve their purpose, and then they need to be eliminated. And that's essentially what this process called detoxification is. Now, detoxification is happening all the time. You know, you don't have to turn it on and it doesn't turn off. It's happening in every single cell of the body. It's happening at an increased rate in the liver and in the kidneys as well. And without that, we would accumulate all of these substances and then become a toxic soup and not be able to function properly. So we often, I mean, especially in the health world and with the work we do, there's products all the time pushing that they will help you to detox. And so what you just explained, it probably leads people to think, well, then I don't need to make any extra effort. Why can't my body just take care of everything? And the challenge we're facing right now is the volume of toxic burden, the exogenous, the ones coming from outside. I got that right. Absolutely. So the ones coming from outside is greater than there's ever been in the history of the human population. So what we're looking at is just this incredible body burden. And there's a study done that showed there were 287 chemicals found in the umbilical cord of 10 babies. So these are human beings that haven't even had a single breath on the planet being born with this body burden of chemicals. 
as we talk about in our course, Healthy at Home, there's 88,000 chemicals that have been approved for use in consumer products that largely went untested. They were grandfathered in, assumed safe until proven otherwise. And at this point, only about 2,000 have even been tested. And with that, not even in that cumulative benefit or that cumulative effect that we see when you are using, say, a detergent to wash your clothing and then a different cleaning product to clean your counters and then cosmetic products that have more chemicals in them. And so we have this body burden that our body just can't take care of on its own. And so we are seeing such an abundance of health issues that could be maybe not directly attributed, but definitely contributed to by the overall toxic load. Do you want to talk a little bit about what you see in your clinic with people and what those symptoms are of that chemical load? Well, the crazy thing with toxins is that it's a huge wild card. I mean, this it, they can affect every single cell in the body and every system in the body. So we pretty much assume in the functional medicine world that any symptom could be related to a specific toxin and a toxic burden in the body. Now, some common symptoms are headaches, joint pain, fatigue, and then there's more complex illnesses like autoimmune disease, cardiovascular disease, depression, and even neurological issues that can all be linked to toxic burden. Yeah. We're also seeing it with things like obesity and diabetes with the load from pesticides and how those are affecting hormones. Absolutely. I mean, there's a whole class of chemicals known as obesogens. So you can guess exactly what those do to the body. So everyone's trying to work out, gastric bypass rates are going up. And the fact is that we're just not getting to the root of it, which is that overload of chemicals in the body that our five channels of inhalation, our detoxification systems weren't built to handle the load that they are experiencing. One question that comes up a lot, I think, is the idea that, you know, why are some people more sensitive to others? So you can take you and I. So... I'm like, would you call me the canary in the coal mine? Something like that. Something like that. Yeah. So I react to smells more acutely, to mold. I get like blinding aura migraines from mold. Yeah, you're like a mold detector. Yeah. You know, we walk into a building and Megan can sense it right away or a home or something and it's there. Yeah, or vintage furniture shops, which I love and then I can't go into them. And, and I react to them. I have a physical response to them. You don't really have that same physical response. And I'm sure we all have that relative, that old person we know who's like lived their whole life smoking and drinking coffee. You've never seen them have a glass of water. Like they seem to live a very toxic lifestyle and then live happily until they're a hundred years old. So how is it that some people are far more sensitive and reactive to it and some people aren't? And I think this will also help people who have those family members that refer to them as like the sensitive one or the hypochondriac when they genuinely are having physical or even emotional responses to things in the environment? It's such a good question because we can actually, and I've seen this many times, have one individual in the home that has severe symptoms due to mold, for example, and everyone else in the home's totally fine. So we know that people have different abilities to detoxify different chemicals. And there's a couple really great examples to illustrate this. There was a study done in Turin, Italy in a chemical plant where there was a, a toxin that was released and no one knew about it. And people started to get bladder cancer. Now, the interesting thing was that some people got it and some people didn't. So they use this as a case study to figure out why 
some people were susceptible while others were protected. And they were all exposed to the same amount. So what they discovered was those who got bladder cancer had a slower detoxification of that chemical. There was a process called acetylation. They were all exposed to the same stimulus, but they were able to deal with it differently. And what I, the, you know, the analogy I give to this is a dishwasher in a restaurant. So, you know, in a restaurant, we have the dirty dishes coming in, we have the dishwasher doing the dishes, and then they come out clean on the other side. Now, a couple of things can go wrong. There could be too many dirty dishes coming in, or that dishwasher could be just way too slow. So detoxification, that dishwashing process is happening all the time, but there are actually ways to slow down how many dirty dishes come in, and there's ways to speed up how quickly that dishwasher is working. Now, Dr. Jeffrey Bland in his book, Disease Delusion, cites how we can have a one thousandfold difference in our detoxification capacity. Between two people. Between two people. So that means you can possibly be detoxing mold toxins called mycotoxins 1,000 times less effective than me if we walk into a water-damaged building. Right. One of the statistics or one of the, the pieces of information I found really interesting, and I wrote about this in my GMO blog post, but about glyphosate, the active ingredient in Roundup and a lot of the Monsanto products inhibiting the, the P450 detoxification pathway. So there's actual intakes we have. So things we are taking into the body like pesticides and ingredients in pesticides that are further inhibiting our ability to actually clear out these chemicals. That's a wonderful example. And that's a perfect example of what we call chemical synergy, where you know, as even as a baseline, many of these haven't been tested for safety, but they definitely have not been tested for safety as a chemical soup and how they affect each other. So that's, you know, you're saying how one chemical actually slows down liver detoxification, the phase one, while allowing you to be more susceptible to other toxins that might be cleared on the same pathway right? It's like going down a road, you know, from A to B, you know, you're going, so, you know, across the city or something and you're driving in your car and there's more roadblocks along the way. It's going to make that journey a lot more difficult. You still might get there, but it's going to slow you down substantially versus someone else who takes another route without any traffic and without any roadblocks. And it's not going to be a problem for them. So that's the same pathway as like that. I'm a fast metabolizer of caffeine. Exactly. Well, you're a fast metabolizer of caffeine and that's one specific pathway. So Megan and I got our genetics tested to see how well we detoxify certain things like caffeine, for example. And what we discovered was that Megan is a fast detoxifier and I'm a slow detoxifier. So if- Which is interesting because I'm also more sensitive. Absolutely. It doesn't even, it doesn't correlate. But more sensitive to other chemicals yeah. like mold, for example. Right. And those are different pathways. And before everyone runs out to get their genetics tested, don't do that yet. Everyone wants their genetics tested, but you're just spending money and resources on something until you have a practitioner who's going to effectively implement whatever those results are and read them for you. It's really not an essential thing to do. Yeah. Uh, good point, Megan. So there was an interesting study done on Costa Rican men where they uh, looked at how well they were metabolizing caffeine and how that affected cardiovascular illness. And what they discovered was that those men that were consuming four cups of coffee per day and were fast metabolizers actually had a decreased risk of a cardiac event versus the slow metabolizers that had an increased risk. 
So, you know, we hear these things in the nutrition world. Everyone should be drinking coffee. Or like, yeah, people love the studies and the papers that like coffee and all its health benefits because we love the nutrition studies that tell us that our favorite things like chocolate and wine are good for us. Yeah, but this is a perfect example on biochemical individuality, personalized nutrition, and how we each need to tailor our own diet and our own lifestyle to best suit us. Yeah. So whether you're adding butter to your coffee or not, some will have some of the coffee benefits you see promoted, but a lot of people will not. So wait, not everyone should be waking up and having that uh, butter coffee? So back to (laughs) detoxification. Um, I just want to talk a bit about, especially in the culinary world, all this like juice cleansing and smoothie cleansing. And I'm fully guilty of it. When I started my business, one of the first digital programs I ran was a three-day green smoothie cleanse back in 2009. And I still stand by it. I think smoothies and juices are incredibly powerful ways to get a massive amount of nutrition into your body in a really digestible, absorbable, easily assimilated way. So like in the Culinary Nutrition Expert Program, we have an entire module on liquid nutrition because it can be so potent. But is drinking a green juice going to detox you? Is drinking strictly vegetable juices for three to four days considered a detox? Well, part of it can be looked at that way in that if you're drinking exclusively organic, and if you're ever having juices, they should be 100% organic. Otherwise, you're getting a concentration of whatever was sprayed onto that produce. But is it actually physically detoxing you? It's allowing you to not add more toxins into the body potentially, but it's not really having that metabolic detoxification effect. And so there's certain things that your body actually needs in order to be able to detox. And juices primarily don't have much of those things. Like... They're a good start. They're a great start. And you should definitely have them. And I love them. And I always joke that like when I have a green juice, the cells in my body are like... Mm -hmm. Like they get so buzzed and so happy. But I don't mistake a green juice for other detoxification practices. Right. And they're part of the whole picture. So to dive a little bit deeper into the nitty gritty of this is that our liver, which is a key detoxifying organ in our body, very powerful for converting those substances from foreign to unformed so we can get rid of them through our urine or or bowel, needs certain nutrients. It's highly nutrient driven to actually run these detoxification phases. There's phase one and there's phase two. Now a juice and smoothies give you a lot of the nutrients needed to run phase one, for example. But phase two is known as the conjugation pathway. And we don't have to get into such specifics about it, but it requires amino acids. And where do amino acids come from? They come from proteins. Proteins are long chains of amino acids. And there's very little protein in juice. Almost none. I've seen when I I once did a 10-day juice cleanse, and one of the things they were encouraging as part of it was high amounts of spirulina and bee pollen, which might be two of my least favorite of the quote, superfoods. But those do offer some plant-based protein. But one of the common symptoms I think people have when they do these juice cleanses, they've cut out all this food or their normal food intake. 
start drinking heavy amounts of nutrient-dense foods that do have some detoxification properties, you know, foods that like cilantro and parsley that are often in these juices, but then they end up with like headaches and horrible nausea and all these other challenging detoxification symptoms because they're not fully supporting all of the pathways in the body. That's a great example. And what I tell my students in my detox course is that your clients shouldn't have a detoxification reaction, right? A detox, headaches, and and all these types of symptoms, what some people call a healing crisis. The key is that if you have your channels of elimination open and you're doing the detox properly, then you're helping to support that process in the liver and you're also helping with the elimination. And I don't think we really covered in detail the five channels of elimination. So I'm just gonna mention those quickly, that we have the bowel, we have the kidneys, we have the skin, we have the lungs, and we have what sometimes people forget of. The mind, the mental detox. Yeah. Can we have toxic thoughts? Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. So those can be toxic too. But these are ways to get stuff from the inside of the body to the outside of the body. And then we have these internal cleansing systems like the lymphatic system and of course the liver where a lot of attention is given to. So when those channels are working really well, we can process these toxins and get rid of them in an efficient, effective manner and prevent them from circulating throughout the body and causing symptoms. Before we get into, we're going to share sort of the top detox foods and how we can best support those channels of elimination. But before we do, let's talk about blocking up that leaky bucket before mopping the floor or what we call retoxing. Yeah, absolutely. And that's about decreasing the amount of those dirty dishes coming to the dishwasher. That's one of the most important things. Right. So having your green juice for breakfast doesn't make for like an equal balance when you eat fast food for lunch or are using, say, a conventional department store fragrance that has up to 5,000 chemicals in it. It doesn't quite work that way. So if you really want to reduce your body burden, it's really important to take that step to stop introducing the toxins. And that's what we call retoxing. So there's detoxing and there's retoxing. And we can't control a lot of what we're exposed to in our environment, but there's things we can. And to stop retox, you want to look at using chemical-free personal care products, chemical-free home care products. Look at what our furniture is made of. Look at what we're washing our clothes in. Look at what we're drinking every day as our main source of hydration, what is contained in our water. And, you know, Josh does talk about mental detox as the fifth channel you know, who, what are those relationships and those conversations we're having every day? And all of that is part of the, it's either helping to detox or it's helping to retox. And so part of really reducing that body burden is paying close attention to not adding more in. And one of the most powerful things we can do is to eat chemical-free food. And if we can choose organic, grow our own, shop at the local farmer's market where things, even if they're low spray, will have less than what's shipped from around the world, that's really, really important to this process and just reducing the overall chemical load in the body. And though some of these chemicals are persistent, meaning they will stay in your body for years and years and years, there's also a lot that will slowly begin to reduce. You'll reduce that body burden and will offer you the lifestyle strategies you can take to help support that elimination of the body burden. I hope you're enjoying this conversation so far. Let's take a pause so I can introduce you to a seriously inspiring, wise and dynamic 2014 culinary nutrition expert. 
When Abigail Hopkins enrolled in the CNE program, she was working full-time as a registered pediatric nurse at SickKids Hospital right here in Toronto. Over the span of a couple years, Abigail began splitting her time between her day job as a nurse and her side project, That Clean Life. She eventually took the leap and made her passion project her full-time gig, as did her husband, Chris. Here's what Abigail had to say about her experience in the Culinary Nutrition Expert program. I'm Abigail Hopkins, and I'm a proud 2014 graduate of the Culinary Nutrition Expert program. Everything about this program was seriously amazing from start to finish. My background in education is as a registered nurse. So while I had a firm understanding of the human body, diseases, and health promotion, I was really missing that nutrition component. The Culinary Nutrition Expert Program filled that gap for me. The education I gained in the program supported me as I created an online meal planning platform called That Clean Life. The support I've received from the Culinary Nutrition Expert community as we've built this business has been absolutely incredible. I am so grateful for the Culinary Nutrition Expert Program. I'd take the program all over again in a heartbeat and would highly recommend that you do the same. Abigail isn't kidding when she says the Academy of Culinary Nutrition community has supported her. It's incredible to see how our tribe has come out to support her business. Dozens and dozens of our graduates have also become clients and customers of That Clean Life using their business platform to help build their own respective businesses. You can learn more about That Clean Life over at thatcleanlife.com. And we have a direct link for you if you visit culinarynutrition.com forward slash podcast and click on today's episode. Now, if you want to learn more about culinary nutrition and what we're all about, I have a free training for you. That's kind of awesome. Head over to culinarynutrition.com forward slash free training for instant access to a five-part mini training where you will make something that's gluten-free, dairy-free, nut-free, so it's school safe and incredibly delicious. Check it out now. And again, a quick link for that is also on our podcast page in the show notes. Now, let's get back to today's episode. All right. One of our favorite things to talk about, super foods for detoxification. These are the foods that are going to fuel those detoxification pathways in the liver and in all of the cells of our body. So the first one is cilantro. Now, cilantro has been shown to actually help bind up heavy metals, which we're all exposed to in small or large amounts, depending on what you eat or have in your body. And it also is very high in chlorophyll. Now, chlorophyll is that green pigment. I think most of us learned about it in biology class way back in the day. And chlorophyll is a wonderful detoxifier. So whenever we're uh, eating anything that's green, we're going to get some of that chlorophyll to uh, help clear out some of those toxins from the body. So some of you may be listening and thinking, oh, cilantro, it tastes like hot soap out of a dishwasher. That was the best description I ever got from a student in one of my cooking classes. There's an enzyme. Some people have it. Some people don't. That makes cilantro taste terrible. Now, for those of you who are cilantro lovers, this is easy. Add it to your salads, chop it up, put it if you're having a wild rice salad or a whole grain salad, put it in your sandwiches. You can actually, in my first book, Undiet, I have a recipe for a cilantro pesto. I might also have a website. We can link to it in our show notes. That is a mix of cilantro, some almond butter, tamari, ginger, lemon, garlic, olive oil. It's delicious. Now, 
it's been our experience because I'm a cilantro lover. Josh? Mm, definitely not. But... But, but when we blend it, he can tolerate it. So if I put it in a smoothie in small amounts, it's usually fine. And this pesto, Josh loves this pesto. And we use it, you know, when we're having burgers, whether they're veggie or meat burgers, in wraps, different kinds of things as a spread. And he totally loves it that way. And there's something about blending it, that process of processing the actual cilantro that breaks down whatever that component is that the enzyme reacts to so that for some people who are cilantro haters, they actually love it. One of my favorite ways to have cilantro is in a juice with pineapple, cilantro, some kale, parsley. So you're getting all those greens in, juicing them. And to me, it's totally delicious. So give cilantro a try. And if you absolutely hate cilantro and you're like, never, don't worry, we've got four more super detox foods for you. All right. So the second one is garlic. And garlic has to be one of the top, you know, anti-cancer foods in the world. You know, when you start to see how it reacts with different types of cancers in the lab, they've actually tested this. They find that it'll kill pretty much every cancer. So garlic is best used raw. I know some of you are going to be a little bit disappointed. And the more that you cook it, the less of those active ingredients are available. Now, one of the most powerful ways to use garlic is to crush it. And when you crush it, you are mixing two substances. One is called alanase and one is called allium, which occur in different components of the garlic. And then they mix together and they make allicin, which is a very, very powerful chemical to help with detoxification. So that's a, a wonderful way to use the uh, garlic. Yes. And so to, I'm not, I can't handle a lot of raw garlic. I find it pretty, pretty, it sort of hangs out with me for many, many hours. But pestos are a great way to chop up some raw garlic and include that. And it's also a nice way to get in loads of those detox herbs. And though best raw, you can easily also have it with salad dressings or you can saute it with any veggies you're maybe stir frying or lightly steaming and just have some some steamed garlic with it. And obviously including it in soups and stews and all the things you're cooking. Now, the next one on our list is broccoli. And broccoli is part of a family of vegetables called the cruciferous vegetables. And they all possess very similar benefits. In fact, if we look back in our, uh, you know, botany history books, they all actually came from a similar plant. So broccoli has these sulfur-based compounds in them that speed up both phase one and phase two detoxification pathways. And there's two phases in the liver. So that's a double whammy and a double benefit from the broccoli. You know, when in doubt, eat broccoli, as one of my past professors said, because it just activates so many incredible pathways, anti-inflammatory pathways, anti-cancer pathways. And Megan, you know, sees me eating the stem all the time. Josh it's loves... It's one of my favorite parts. Yeah. Yeah. Josh, we save... So don't ever ditch the stock of anything because if you're not going to put it in a soup, a lot of them are actually palatable. The broccoli stock tastes just like broccoli. So you peel off that sort of woody outer layer and you can either slice it thin like you would a carrot stick. It's also really good to grate it and you can saute it up with a little bit of olive oil, a little bit of mustard seed, a little bit of garlic, and it almost becomes like a lightly cooked coleslaw. Now, just a little side tip, broccoli sprouts are actually 30 times more powerful than broccoli itself in terms of those chemicals. So get a little broccoli sprouts in there as well. Now, our fourth food is raspberries. 
And I recommend this a lot to women because it really helps to improve hormone detoxification like estrogen and progesterone. They're very high in elagic acid, which is one of my favorite things to say. Yes. And this elagic acid can increase a process in the liver called glucuronidation by up to 75%. So that's something you want to get into your diet. They're usually in season for a short period of time at the beginning of the summer or early spring, but you can get those frozen pretty much all year round. Yeah. Or buy them in bulk from your farmer, get a flat of them, eat as much as you can when they're in season and freeze the rest. It's always nice to pull out of the freezer your food that you got, whether you picked it or whether you got it from a farmer, but you know that it was harvested at its optimal ripeness. And our final powerful food, there's lots of them, but these are our top five, is artichokes. This is, I think, an under-acknowledged, under-appreciated strange vegetable. I often wonder with the artichoke, like who was the first person that plucked that off and figured out that if you peel off all these sharp spiky leaves, there's going to be a nugget of goodness in the middle. I could just picture it back in the day, you know, the first person just like Eureka and just yeah. so excited about that. <laughs> Which oh, but you me... also have to like dig away all that like pokey hair stuff too. I know, <laughs> I know. Uh, you know, uh, I think it's a wonder that we got this far and have yeah. and figured out how much food, different foods we can eat from the variety of nature. I'm sure a few people lost their lives along the way, but I guess that's a discussion for another day. Um, so yeah, artichokes are incredible for improving liver detoxification. I sometimes refer to them as the great purger because it's like, you know, back in the day when you would get a piece of paper stuck in your printer and you press that purge button and just spit it out, that's what artichoke does. So it's uh, incredible for liver support. I just want to tell a quick story. I know we're running long, but I'm okay with that. We were courting and I said courting, not recording. We were courting Josh and I like dating and he did an internship at an herbal sanctuary and came back just before my birthday and brought me a gift that he had made of this honey that had been infused with garlic that was so incredibly strong. And it was like the most thoughtful, nerdy nutritionist gift ever. But I would take a spoonful before we went on dates, a bit of payback because that garlic would sit. It was so strong. And how was your immune system when you took it? Amazing. And how about your detoxification? Rocking. It Alrighty. was all good. Okay. So I, oh, I want to ask you this. I made a note so I didn't forget about activated charcoal because that's become such a trendy thing. It's in face masks. It's in toothpaste. It's in ice creams. I actually did an ice cream with activated charcoal just to give it the color. So does activated charcoal help the body to actually detox? Not specifically, as you just put it. So it doesn't speed up detoxification processes. But what activated charcoal is amazing for is binding up toxins. So it's actually used in some hospitals for poisonings. Yeah. It's a very porous molecule if you look at it under a microscope. So, and it uses uh, something called adsorption, yeah. which helps to bind up these toxins in the gut. You're not going to absorb the activated charcoal. It binds it up in the gut and helps you eliminate it. So I've given activated charcoal as a recommendation to many people for traveling just in case they eat something bad or get food poisoning. And people have literally told me it saved their lives. But to confirm and clarify, it's not actually pulling toxins out of the cells of your body. It's helping to eliminate what's already within the gut, in the colon. 
Exactly. So it's it's binding up toxins that your body has already processed and dumped into the small intestine. Now, one thing people need to be very careful about if they're using activated charcoal, especially for a long period of time, is it's so effective at binding stuff up that it's also going to bind up your nutrients. So again, you know, when I recommend activated charcoal to people, maybe it is part of a detox protocol. Sometimes for mold detoxification, we, we add it in. It's always taken away from food to make sure they're not getting rid of all their good stuff. Yeah. So keep that in mind because we've seen there's a lot of charcoal drinks now available. So it may not actually be what you need or what's indicated for you. As part of our podcast, we've got handouts and tools for everybody over at culinarynutrition.com slash podcast. So please be sure to head over there to grab everything. Before we go, we want to cover one last component of detoxification, which is how we can best support those five channels of elimination that Josh talked about earlier. So let's start with the skin. So the skin is the largest organ of the body. And you may have heard of skin brushing. So that's a common practice that helps to slough off that outer layer of skin. It also helps move the lymph. So it's paying, pay, paying double duty. And skin brushing is a really effective way to help the skin stay healthy, help it sweat better so you're not bunking it up with a bunch of creams and other things, and keeping it producing the optimal amount of oils to maintain skin health. The other part to support detoxification, this is one of the most heavily researched evidence-based methods of actually eliminating heavy metals from the body and that's sweating. And the infrared sauna is proven to be an effective way to rid heavy metals from the body. So if you don't have access to an infrared sauna, and thankfully it is becoming more and more widely available, it's becoming easier to have one in your home or apartment. There's also a lot of yoga places and health and wellness centers where you can actually book infrared sauna sessions. But even sweating just from exercise will be beneficial in helping detox through that large channel of elimination, the skin. Right. So hot yoga is wonderful for that. Even dry saunas, uh, yeah. steams, they're all great. You just got to sweat. That's the key thing. Yeah. Here. And if you want to learn more, we do have a link in our show notes about infrared saunas mm. and skin brushing, in fact. Yeah. Second is the kidneys, another channel of elimination. We pee multiple times a day. It's a great way to detoxify and get stuff out of our body. And I think most people know intuitively that if you want to pee more, you drink more water, you drink more liquids. So we want very clean water because that's going to be ending up in our bloodstream. And of course, if it's clean, we don't have to detoxify it further. Megan and I use here in our home, we're in Toronto, we're in a city, we use reverse osmosis. We like it because it takes out everything. We used to <laughs> drive up north and get our own spring water from various springs in the area, but that didn't, you know. It wasn't sustainable it wasn't once so we had a, a baby came along. It was like, do we buckle in our water bottles or our child? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> we would be, you know, lugging 10 glass bottles up into the springs. It was quite late. J- Josh is using the Royal Weeks. I definitely wasn't lugging those bottles up two flights of stairs. Yeah, it's a fantastic workout. <laughs> And then the third channel of elimination is the colon. So we want to be pooping once to thrice a day, making sure that we're having a, a full bowel movement where we feel completely emptied. There are great ways to improve that. Drinking water, as we just mentioned, is so important. Consuming lots of fiber, both soluble and insoluble fiber. Now, the cool thing is if you're eating a whole foods plant-rich diet, you're getting a lot of those fibers and you'll probably be having beautiful bowel movements anyway, but you can always add a little bit of fiber 
if you need it. And also another great device that Megan and I love is called the Squatty Potty. Now, you know, in many countries, they just have toilets right at ground level where your feet are and they squat over them. That's actually the optimal. But here in, you know, Canada and the US and most developed countries, we have these things called toilets. I'm sure most of you had heard heard of them. And you're not sitting in the anatomical proper position for pooping. So a squatty potty helps re- uh, raise your legs, get the support on your intestines from your upper thighs and helps you to eliminate fully. And without needing to buy another product, if you have a little step stool around or two yoga blocks can work really effectively too. Or just stand on your toilet. <laughs> <laughs> if you have very good balance. Okay, the fourth channel of elimination is, is the, the lungs. lungs. So one of the best ways to cleanse the lungs is to breathe. So aerobic activity where you find yourself breathing a little more heavily optimally breathing in clean air. So uh, in line with lung support for elimination is getting out in nature and doing exercise and activity in nature where you're breathing in the freshest, cleanest air you have available. But any kind of exercise and of course, exposure to those plants, having them in your home is also really helpful. And alongside the lungs, especially is avoiding inhalants, any kind of toxic load whether it's through products in your home or in big cities, it's important to get a break from that. That's why parks are so important for people who live in big cities. And finally, the one that most people forget about is the mind, the fifth channel of elimination. Can we have toxic thoughts? Absolutely. And uh, Dr. Candace Pert discovered this many, many years ago in her book, She writes about it, The Molecules of Emotion, that with every thought, every perception, every emotion we have, we create a corresponding cocktail of peptides, of chemicals in our body that then go around and affect every cell in the body. So, you know, we can break them down really into two categories, fear and love. And love is all about rejuvenation, rebuilding cells, putting you in parasympathetic mode, while fear is the opposite. It's breaking down, it's catabolic, it's, it damages tissues, it hurts our cells. So one of the things that I recommend when people do uh, detoxes in our clinic is that they have things like a social media elimination and detox or they, you know, stop reading trashy magazines, or they, you know, don't watch TV for a little bit. And they just try to clear that mind out, get toxic relationships out of the equation, uh, and allow them to have that space to really rejuvenate uh, mental health wise. Yes, the mind is often the one that seems the easiest to do, but so often the one we forget about. I want to thank everyone so much for joining us. I know that we shared so much information in this. Josh and I do a lot of work in teaching and our objective is always not just to share what we know, but to help you integrate into your life the things that are relevant to you and that are things you can do now. And there's more. Please head over to culinarynutrition.com slash podcast. We've put together a daily detox protocol for you. So check out the detox episode over there. You'll see all of our show notes, all of the resources mentioned, and you can get this download of a daily detox protocol. So you can start implementing maybe one change day, maybe another one in a couple of weeks when you're ready for it and slowly but surely fully integrate what we shared into your life so you can have ongoing optimal health. 
If you're feeling inspired and want more, consider joining us for the Culinary Nutrition Expert Program in September. Learn more at culinarynutrition.com or check out the free training we have for you over at culinarynutrition.com slash free training. Also over on our show notes, you'll find a special offer from Abigail Hopkins and That Clean Life that you'll definitely want to take advantage of. Check out thatcleanlife.com. It's an amazing resource to help you get started in eating healthier every single day. So as I always say, the best way to get started is to get started. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review for us. And we would love it if you could share this with your friends, family, or anyone you think would benefit from this. You know, we live in a toxic world and we have to be proactive to really thrive. So this information, I think, is applicable to everyone. So, you know, think about those people who could benefit and please pass it along. We look forward to being with you next time on the Today is the Day podcast. Have a great day.